Christ followers are called to more than just church attendance. The expectation is that we each become involved in the life or growth of the church body. In Romans chapter 12, we are reminded that we are all parts of the same body and that we belong to one another. There are definite responsibilities that result from this belonging or shared ownership. There is a place for every one of us within this church body and a need for each one of us to do our part. Whether a first time guest, a regular attender, or a long time member, we have each been given gifts by God that we can use to help this church grow and reach our community, our nation, and our world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Take the next step with us on this journey as we connect everyone everywhere to Him. Join us in Extreme Ownership. All right, good morning. Guys, I gotta tell you, and I mean it so heartily, I was in back uh, earlier today, and I just felt like, I was just praying, you know, going over my notes, and I felt like God was just saying, Rick, I love these people. I love the people at Crossroads Christian Church, and here's what's really awesome, Rick, they love me back. Uh, I, I want you to know I feel that. I sense that with the Holy Spirit. I, I get so encouraged by that, so encouraged to just hear God just kind of just speak into my heart and say, it's not just that, that I love these people, but these people love me. And I want to let you guys know that I appreciate you so much here. Um, I want to welcome everyone to our new birth. Yes, amen. Praise God. You guys, give yourselves a hand. You guys are, it is a blessing to be here. Such an encouraging people of God. It, it is a massive blessing, and I never lose the wonder of that. And I want to welcome everybody here on our new birth campus, our West Campus and Facebook Live. We're so blessed to get to worship together, aren't we? Well, we are in our second week of our series, Extreme Ownership. And I believe that all of us should be asking ourselves and God on a daily basis, how can I help? God, what can I do? God, what are the details? Those are just four simple words, but I believe that they are words that can absolutely change your life and can give you an incredible amount of joy and peace, a peace that perhaps right now is beyond your understanding, but is right at your fingertips. Let me pray and let's get started. God, what a great place to be. Father, uh, amongst a, a people that absolutely love and adore you. God, amongst a people who are just saying, I get it. I get it, God. I get it. I get that I'm supposed to be a part of this amazing army that just takes the gospel and the peace and the joy of Jesus Christ to the world around me. We get it, God. What a privilege and what a pleasure to be here amongst that. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak. It's not what I have to say, but it's what you have to say. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would open my mouth, Father, and open our hearts and our ears, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Here's what I want to accomplish today. I want to help some of us solidify the way we think. And I want to help some of us change the way we think. But I'm asking every one of us to kind of open our hearts and minds and listen to God's word. Is it possible that there is a world of joy and peace that you haven't even begun to tap into? Is it possible that God's word has a formula for you personally that can bring you value and importance that you never knew existed. And then here's the thing, that formula for success might, might take you by surprise. Paul writes these words in Romans chapter 12, verse six. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Uh, let me read that line again. In his grace, God has given us certain gifts 
for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. Paul makes three profound statements in these few verses. One, God has gifted every single one of us. God has given us different gifts. You can't sit out there. You may feel it's true, but it is not true for you to sit out here and say, I don't have a gift, Rick, though. You, you, may, you may not understand your gift. You may not know your gift. But God tells us that God has given us different gifts. Well, two, we are to use those gifts to the best of our abilities. Man, he said, if, you, if, you're, if your gift is giving, then give generously. If your gift is teaching, then teach well. If it is encouraging, then encourage often. We are given those gifts to the best. We are to use those gifts to the best of our ability. The Bible says, Paul said, God has given you the ability. And the third thing, he says, we are to have a good time doing it. Do it gladly. Guys, it, it may be time that some of you stop wearing that face that looks like somebody just shot your dog. I mean, you just, you just I ran into a guy in the hallway, he was so angry, you know, it was just like this. And I'm thinking, brother, enjoy your life. Listen, I'm telling you, your, how miserable you can be does not equate to how deep and, and spiritual you are. You and I ought to be enjoying this life. Paul said, man, not only have you been given a gift, not only should you use it to the best of your ability, but man, you should have a great time doing it. And let me add this thought before we press on. You don't have to be perfect or a biblical scholar to serve and use your gift. My, my mom, bless her heart, she would come home and she would say, you know, I, 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 my mom worked in a factory all her life. She would come home and she'd say, you know, I... I tried to tell these people about Jesus and I, I did the best I could, but I get tongue-tied. I, I can't speak the way you speak. And I said, Mom, did you just open your mouth and tell them what you thought about God? And she goes, I did. I said, that's all God wants. I said, then you did the best job you could do. You don't have to be perfect. Just serve and allow God to start blessing you. I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about using my gift to the best of my ability. I'm passionate about you serving and doing it with great joy in your heart. Those kind of thoughts keep me up at night. So before I dig into the how of helping, I want to look at why I help. Why should you and I be an active participant in God's work right here on earth and right here at Crossroads? Why serve? Okay, Rick, you're, you're standing up there and you're saying, yeah, I, I believe you should serve. Uh, you know, how can I help? Should kind of be on your mind all the time. But why? That's a great question. Romans chapter 12 starts out by Paul pleading with us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. He actually says, I plead with you. I, I'm begging you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Well, what has God done for you? Guys, the first reason I serve is because I am obligated and eager. 
I am obligated and eager to serve God. I'm obligated and eager to give God all that I have. He, he deserves everything that I can give him. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you are deep in his debt. And you, Usually we don't want to be deep in debt, but I love being in his debt. Because paying him back brings intense joy. I almost look at paying God back as a game. It's almost like who can outgive who? And I'll say, Lord, I'm gonna reach out and talk to this person about Jesus and God begins to bless my life and, and, and I try to do this and God gives back tenfold. You know, the Bible talks about that adversity deepens us and makes us more mature. More mature. Sometimes I think I'm the most shallow Christian in the world because God just keeps blessing me. And I really think that he just turns to the angels sometimes and goes, you know, I'd love to throw a little adversity his way, but he'd just crack. <laughs> so bless him. Give him another Starbucks gift certificate. That was not a plead. I said, the Lord. Take that, Patrick. <laughs> I, I, I cannot outgive God. It's the craziest, most amazing game in the world. I'm obligated, and it's a debt that I... I love trying to pay back. A few minutes ago, we took communion. We, we drank a little cup of juice and ate a little piece of bread. And we did that to remember God who loved us enough to be beaten for us. Thank you so much. I, I think about, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of blowing it and I think, God, I so deserve to be punished. I really remember the words of Isaiah when, I said, when he said, by his stripes we are healed. You know who deserved to be beaten? Me. You know who was beaten? Jesus Christ. I think about a God who loved me enough to shed his blood to the point of death, to die on the cross for me. I'm obligated and eager that's what the Bible means when it says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. But Paul says this in Romans chapter 14, or Romans chapter 1, verse 14. If I have a great sense of obligation to the people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike, so I am eager to come to you in Rome to preach the good news. There's our two words, obligated and eager. He was obligated and eager to share the gospel with the world around him. The question is, are you, am I? Do we feel a sense of obligation to serve God and to reach out to the world around us because of all that God has done for us? And if you say to me, Rick, absolutely, absolutely, brother, I feel obligated and eager to serve, then here's my next question. Where is your ministry where are you serving? Whose lives are richer because you exist? And there ought to be an answer to that question. If my God loved me enough to die for me, then surely I will love him enough to live for him. I serve God because I'm obligated and eager. Let me give you a second reason. People need the Lord. That's not just a cute saying or a beautiful song. That is an absolute truth. People need the Lord. I, I am surrounded by need. You are surrounded by a world filled with people in need. And I'm not talking about facilitating people who refuse to work or want to have life handed to them. I'm talking about kids who genuinely need someone to offer a kind word. Uh, a young man who needs to hear the affirming words from a father figure, something like, I'm proud of you. You're going to grow up to be a strong man of character. I say those words to young people that God allows to cross my path all the time. And the joy I get back is insane. 
I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that, that a life can be totally out of a line, but, but a young man's life, but if a godly man walks up and says, man, I see something in you. I see God in you. I see greatness in you. I see success in you. I think you align them. I think you call them to something greater. I think you open your eyes, their eyes to a God that loves them. And hey, maybe I can be somebody. Maybe you're, you're the Jesus that says those words to them when nobody else has. Maybe it's helping a young person struggling with drugs who needs someone to step in and love them the way Jesus loved them, even when it's messy and costly. I had a young man in Simi Valley. I love him with all my heart and soul. And when he was, when he was sober, he was the nicest guy in the world, 16 years old. When he was drunk, he was incredibly violent. And I remember one time coming to his rescue and he turned around and punched me right in the face. I still love that kid with all my heart and soul and I still pour into him because he is worth it. He is a warrior who is fighting an addiction that Jesus absolutely loves and I'm not here to judge him but to love him and to lead him to a higher power. Maybe it's just you working in the, I shouldn't say just, I don't wanna work in the nursery. Maybe, maybe it's you working in the nursery at church so when a family comes here for the first time, they feel safe about leaving their kids with you for an hour. They walk in and they see they see just smiling faces and they feel like, okay, th this place is covered. I feel safe leaving my child here. Maybe it's greeting somebody at the door and offering them the first smile and kind word they've had this week. I I've had people say, man, just, just your smile made me feel so much better today. Maybe it's serving here this Easter. It's setting yourself aside and saying, setting, setting the ham aside and, and setting you know, all the, the trappings aside and just saying, God, how can I help? You see, people need the Lord. And here's the deal. You and I are God's answer to that need. You are God's answer to the, the fact that people need the Lord. Nicholas Cruz is 19 years old and easily, easily one of the most hated men in America. Nicholas never graduated from high school. He was expelled for disciplinary problems. The media has described him as a monster and with good reason. On Valentine's Day, February 14th, he went to his former high school in Broward County, Florida, and killed 17 students. He destroyed lives and whole worlds. And you can't justify or excuse that. You cannot. But what if you had met Nicholas when he was just a kid, maybe 12 years old, and told him about a God who loved him enough to die for him? What if you had told Nicholas that he was of infinite value to his heavenly father and that you genuinely cared about him? What if you had taken him out to eat or coffee once a week and talk about his relationship with God and the world around him? Because that's how you change worlds. One life at a time. That, that's why I serve. I want to speak into these people's lives. I want to change their lives. I want to have God change them through me because people need God and I am the answer to that need. A little over a week ago, I was in California celebrating my son's birthday and I was at a coffee shop uh, and I was typing these words. I was typing this about Nicholas and, and as I was sitting there, this, this actually happened. A young man, probably about 25 years old, well-dressed, came over and he said, do you mind if I sit at your table? And I said, I said no, man, go right ahead. I'm, I'm just studying. And then he looks at me and he said, are you a pastor? And I thought, is it tattooed to my forehead? <laughs> I didn't have a Bible out. He just said, are you a pastor? I told him that I was. And he told me how his wife had just left him. His dad was bipolar. 
and then he had just lost his job and he kind of started pouring his heart out to me and he said, I'm on my way down to Malibu Beach and I thought I'd, I thought I'd stop in and get a bagel. I've never been here before. And I had this overwhelming feeling that he was on his way to commit suicide. So I talked to him about Nicholas. I, his, his name was John. I told John that maybe God wanted him to find the Nicholases in our society. I, I told him that he had a purpose in this very needy world. We chatted for a while about how valuable he was to God and those around him, that there was no end to his value if he would just let God use him. And when we got done speaking, and we didn't speak for 10 minutes, he he grabbed my arm and he he said, I I just want you to know I'm not going to commit suicide today. Funny thing is, I never mentioned that I thought he was going to commit suicide. I prayed with him and he left. That actually happened last week. You see, people need the Lord and they need you to give him to them. People need Jesus and they need you to give Jesus to them. They need you to love them and care about them. They need you to understand. They need you to listen. They need you to not judge. Jesus said, I did not come into the world to judge the world, but to love the world. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin and unrighteousness. And that's not your job. My job is to give them Jesus. Christ is looking for people who want to go deep into their Christianity. Over the years, I've heard so many people say, I want to go deeper. Teach me more. Here's my response to that. Absolutely not. That's not my job. Deeper isn't about another message or a certain worship set that really makes you feel good. Deeper isn't one good sermon away. Deep is you and I taking our Christianity serious enough to live it out in the dark and confused world around us. That's deep. If you're, if you're so deep that you can't learn about God at a certain church, then by golly, you ought to be driving a Ford with a baptismal in the back and you're baptizing people at traffic lights. If you're doing that, hands up, God bless you. Deep is you and I taking our Christianity serious enough to live it out in the dark and confused world around us. Because the truth is, the only one who can take you deeper in God is you. And that's by you deciding to serve. You see, true love and true worship leads to true service. The words and the thought, how can I help, should always be on the mind mind of men and women of God. Well, allow me to give us one more reason to help. Great joy is found in great doing. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not just saying this to be cute or because it... I believe this wholeheartedly. As a a man who has, over his lifetime, occasionally suffered from deep, deep depression, let 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 me tell you something that I found from the Word of God in life. Great joy is truly found in great doing. Great service brings great peace and joy. The Bible puts it this way, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interest, 
but take interest in others too. I read this to a, a, a group on a Monday night at my house with a, a, a lot of guys dealing with addictions, a lot of girls dealing with addictions. I said, I said, you know, thinking of others is better than yourself. And I had one honest young man raise his hand and said, Pastor Rick, are you telling me that I'm supposed to care about other people more than I care about me? That doesn't make any sense. It may not make sense, but it's a biblical command and it works. Verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He, verse 7, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave up his privileges. What privileges are you giving up to serve God? Maybe you don't like the temperature or the sound or the something, but you say, but I'm dedicated. I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to serve here. I'm going to bring people to this church. I'm going to lead them to Christ. I'm going to lead them to people who can lead them to Christ. Guys, there is great joy Great joy is found in great doing. Here, here's what I've discovered over, the, over my life. A life of great joy found in Christ, but, but a life sometimes punctuated with deep despair. When I put my desires and my wants ahead of God and others, there is great misery. When I put God in the world he loves first, there is great joy and a sense of purpose. I want to be passionate about other people. That's why I serve I want to be passionate about telling others about God. I want to be passionate about offering words of honest encouragement. I want to be intentional about helping to create a church right here so that when someone walks in the door, they instantly feel welcomed and at peace. I want, I, want, I want every orientation, color, whatever it is, to walk in one of these doors and go, wow, there, there's a sense of peace here. I don't know what it is, but something is amazing here. These people just love me and care about me. Something different is going on here. Why? Because people need the Lord, and I want us to give him to them. True love and true worship leads to true service. I got to tell you this story. Uh, I said last sermon, I said, it's not about Easter. It's not about how polished my shoes are or the ham waiting for me at home. It's about me serving and reaching out. And when I walked, you don't know him, so I can tell the story. When I walked out that door, a man grabbed me and said to me, I, I promise you, I take great pride in my polished shoes. I thought he was kidding. By the way, the shoes weren't even that nice. I didn't tell him that, though. And you know, I said, man, and this is what I said. I said, that's all right, sir, as long as you're taking those polished shoes out to lead somebody to Jesus. And you know, he said, I'm taking my polished shoes somewhere else. I said, praise God. <laughs> Guys, if you... I only know one way to take God's word and that's to take it literally. So when Paul writes these words in Philippians 2, be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. I, 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 I think that means that I'm supposed to think of others as better than myself. How do we interpret that? By reading it. <laughs> and church, that's not only what I'm asking you of you, that's what God's word is asking of you. You want to lead a shallow life and perhaps a meaningless life, then polish your shoes and do nothing else for Jesus. 
Put your wants and desires ahead of everyone else. But I promise you it will lead to a bitter life, not a better life. I just finished a book entitled Lost Connections, Uncovering the Real Cause of Depression by John Harry. And I got to tell you a warning. This guy is a self-proclaimed atheist. He is not a Christian, but he spent, he was depressed for 14 years. And he is a journalist, a a very intelligent man, desperate need of God, pray for him. But he traveled the world going to Harvard to Hong Kong, looking at communities and and finding communities that had overcome depression or were deep in depression and, and looking for roots for cures. Here's what he uncovered. 22 major studies that concluded that if a person made others, this is a, an atheist. If a person made others and others' welfare a priority in their lives, then the chances of depression were greatly reduced. He also concluded from nine studies that if we are more other-centered than self-centered, then anxiety is greatly reduced. Are you suffering from depression and anxiety? Then you might need to get up, go out, and serve. You might need to say, all right, God, I've got to stop making myself and my problems the center of my life, Lord God. Let let me just just go out and test the waters. Let me just do something small. It might lead to something greater. Uh, Guys, I've been depressed. I know what it's like. I I promise you I'm not saying this in some insensitive way. I'm literally looking for a cure. We feel so sad so we buy more things. Or we seclude ourselves so we can work on ourselves. We do all that we can to help make ourselves feel better. When in all actuality, the best way to feel better is to be better. To, 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 put, to put ourselves aside and begin to help and serve others. That's the conclusion of the word of God. And that's the conclusion of an atheist, author, an atheist author who spent years trying to figure out why he was depressed. You know what? The Bible said that years ago. Look at the words of Jesus himself in Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Yes, Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property. What have you given up? What have you given up? Because if it, it, I, I love this, or property for, for my sake and for the good news, if you have given up anything for Jesus, we'll receive now. Two of my favorite words are clearance and free. You know what I mean. You walk into Macy's, clearance, I'm there. One of my favorite scripture words is now. You know what Jesus said, man? If you've given things up for me, if you're giving up your life for me, then now, not pie in the sky, not even in eternity, now, in return, you will receive a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution, and in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. He doesn't promise a problem-free life, but he does promise a life filled with rich rewards for those who will put him and his gospel, the good news, first. Listen, you, you and I can't claim to put God first or to be so deep if we're not serving somebody somewhere. 
And then that may not mean that you're like, you're a sectionalist and you're leading people to Christ. Uh, that may mean that you're, that you're out in the parking lot direct to traffic and giving somebody that smile. You're saying, hi, welcome in. So glad you're here. I, it may mean you're in the children's ministry. It may mean you're teaching a small group or you're headed into our outreach team. I don't know what it means for you, but you or I can't claim to put God first if we're not serving somebody somewhere. It isn't enough to just say or even feel like you really love God. Love is shown. That's what Paul meant in Romans 12 where he said, don't just say you love people, really love them. True and deep love is you and I taking our Christianity serious enough to live it out in the dark and confused world around us. True love and true worship leads to true service. I'm not shooting to make anybody feel guilty. But I am shooting to make you feel convicted. When your life is punctuated with the thought, how can I help? Depression and anxiety are greatly reduced. But can you help? Is there anything you can do? Well, we come back to Paul's words, don't we, in Romans chapter 12. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to, then he winds up with do it gladly. God has given every one of us gifts. We're to use those gifts to the best of our ability, and we're to have a good time doing it. The obligation is on me, and it is on you. You are gifted. God has given you a gift. What are you gifted at? And do you find yourself always wanting to buy or do for other people? Maybe you're gifted with generosity. Give into that. Have fun with it. Do you tinker with cameras or making videos or mixing music? Perhaps you have the gift of production. Talk to one of our weekend warriors like Nikki or Daryl or, 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 or Luke back at the, the sound center, soundboard. How about being at the welcome center? I'm not too proud to say I want you and I need you on weekends in a welcome center welcoming new guests. Are you burdened by a particular group? Do you just see young people on the street and wish you could share the love of Christ with them? Get involved in student ministry. Are you just good at talking to people? We need section hosts to counsel with and pray with people. Maybe you know your gift, but is it possible that God is calling you to do something that you've never done before? Is it possible that you're ta- you have talents and abilities that have laid dormant? God has given you gifts. Let me give you a few shining examples from right here at Crossroads. The Crossland family uh, went on a mission trip to, to Kenya. Well, they got caught up. Be careful. Now they're leading the African Hope Task Force. Garrett and Bethany Craig have served with youth right here at Crossroads for the past two years. They've been involved with bringing kids from Bossy High School, particularly to the church on Wednesday nights to be involved in our youth. But you know what? That wasn't enough. Now they are intentionally perching his home, a home right near the high school in Center City, just so they can minister to the kids that they have been bringing to our church. Guys, that, that, that is extreme ownership. Be careful, man. I went to Poland on a mission trip, wound up staying three years. Greatest three years of my life. What is God calling you to do that seems beyond you, but is absolutely possible with God? Whatever that is, start doing it. Do it with all your hearts. Love the world around you so much that you look just like Jesus because, because they need you. People need the Lord. True love and true worship leads to true service. I, I'm going to pray and we're going to watch a, a video that, that kind of introduces you to some of our amazing volunteers. Oh, God, we love you. Not just words, reality. 
Oh, God, we worship you and we praise you. We are a people that love our God and we are loved by our God. Here we are, God. Use us. How can we help God? What are the details? Father, fill us in and let us be men and women of God who go out and serve. For I ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. I currently serve in the high school ministry and I've done that for 20 years. So I serve in the global outreach department. We serve with the preschool ministry. A favorite thing for me to see is how our kids are grasping what uh, we're teaching them and then when we get a chance to go over it in our small groups. I think serving as a family really is a, a great opportunity for us. Uh, you always look for those opportunities to show your kids how to share the love of Christ and, and how to tell their story and, and serving together as a family gives us opportunity to do that together. I serve in the Momentum class because I want people around the world to know and love Jesus and I want to help other people here at Crossroads see how they can be part of that mission as well in the world. For as long as I've done high school ministry, one thing has remained the same and that's my responsibility to introduce these kids to the Radical Life Changer. And myself, along with all the other leaders, we just, we love these kids and we want to come alongside them. I, I serve the, the church because it's, it's a natural thing to be doing. It's, it's what you're made to do. It's cool to be involved with the media ministry here at Crossroads because it's helping people have church and experience God right at their home or whatever part of the world that they're in. I serve because I enjoy ministering to people. It's a privilege to be able to serve and trying to help people. We're all here to help each other, trying to be a part of that. Amen. Amen. I want, I want to brag for just a second about Rick, the last guy. He, he's one of our section hosts, and he's getting it, man. He, he's got it. Like, he'll come to me, and he'll say, Rick, I just led this guy to Jesus, and I want to introduce you to him. He wants to talk to you about baptism. And then Rick will then he'll email me, call me, and text me. Did you follow up? Did you follow up? Did you follow up? I love that, man. That's extreme ownership. Hey, what, what if, I mean, if you want to make Easter about polishing your shoes, then have at it. But what if you want to make Easter week about serving other people? What if you just say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Guys, we need, I'm looking for 150 volunteers to come out of this weekend. You can go to uh, cccgo.com slash Easter and sign up. You can head out to the uh, Connection Center. and We've got these out there. We need stagehands, media assistants, facilities team, communion prep, coffee, cook, cookie team, ushers, uh, on and on and on. And what if you just said, you know what? I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make Easter all about the thousand visitors that walk in these doors and I, I, because they need Jesus and, I, and I'm gonna lead them from the church to the cross. What, what if that was you? I mean, you're, you're just, you help them park. I've heard that, that a person, a new person, a non-state person will judge a church within five minutes whether or not they'll come back. Was it easy to park? Did somebody smile? Did I know where the restroom was? How, how easy was it to get my kid involved in the children's ministry? What if you were a part of that five minutes? You just said, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make it easy for people to find Jesus. I wanna encourage you to go online again, cccgo.com slash Easter, and just say, I'm in. Maybe you serve on Saturday and come on Sunday with a family. Maybe you come on Saturday, serve on Sunday. I don't know, but guys, I'm, I really wanna encourage you to be, to be a part of that. Just, just, just make it a big part of your life. Guys, if you need counseling, stay seated. A section host will come around. If it's prayer, you wanna talk about Jesus, whatever you wanna talk about. Um, if you're new here, I'd love to meet you. I'm going to be at the Welcome Center. We're going to have some great adult volunteers back there that would just say, 
Some of them wearing welcome shirts, some aren't, but basically they're there to help and answer any questions. God bless, have an amazing week. See you next week.